What's up, everybody, and welcome to Battle On, the podcast where you are the host. Every week, we drop three recommendations, something you should watch, something you should read, something you should play. We ask for you to send in your opinions and thoughts to our voicemail at anchor.fm slash checkpoint dash church for a chance for it to be featured on the show. Now, let us go ahead and get into it. Folks, before we get too far into the show today, I did just want to go ahead and say this is our penultimate episode of Season 1 of Babylon. Hope that you guys have enjoyed this show. Please let me know your thoughts by sending them to our email, by giving us a rating or whatever. Share it on your social media. Be sure to hashtag Babylon so that we know what it's about and that you shared it with us. Uh, we're excited for what exactly you know will be coming in the future. What's our next show going to be? What are we doing? Where are we going? I don't know, but we're going to find out. Uh, I do want to let everybody know for our last episode, for sure, we are still going to be doing our belated on where we'll take any calls uh, about past episodes. If you want to send in your thoughts on the show so far, be sure to have those in to us uh, by, let's say, Sunday at the latest Sunday. What is it? Uh, October 18th. Try to have them in by Sunday, October 18th. Just any thoughts on Babylon for our season one finale. Uh, we'll be sure that those get played on the show. If you have any thoughts about any of the shows we've had so far, as I mentioned before, I do want to just remind everybody that we are going to be continuing recommendations. Our Saturday spotlight is going to continue. They just won't be talked about on a podcast. Uh, but I still recommend these shows to you. I still recommend these play, uh, these games and these books. And I hope that you'll consider uh, endeavoring in those things regardless of our podcast here because they are solid recommendations. I would not be making them lightly. And so uh, that is all I really have to say about that. What were our recommendations this week, you ask? Well... Let me tell you, I recommended that you watch the show Lovecraft Country, which is actually still on its first season on HBO. Uh, I recommended that you read the graphic novel version of Weathering With You, and I recommended that you play the game Fire Emblem. So before we get into our exactly what our thoughts might be on these three entries, let's go to our sponsors for the episode for just a quick moment. Stay with us. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. So we are going to be starting off this week with our game. What should you have played uh, over the past week? What should you have delved into? It's a real good one. Warning, it's real, real good. I love this game series more than most things, and so I feel like I had to recommend it to you. Fire Emblem. What is Fire Emblem and why should you play it? Well, what is it? It is a fantasy tactical RPG. So it's a strategy-based game. Uh, it was originally developed by Intelligent Systems uh, and published through Nintendo. So it is a Nintendo franchise. Um, and it is, oh man, it's so good. It's so good in so many ways. What is it exactly? You play through these stories where you get to play through all of these different characters. Normally they're feudal or, uh, oh, what's the exact word? Not necessarily feudal, but warrior based. You know, it's going to be, uh, you know, at the very best dark ages, the very most modern you're going to get is going to be dark ages, swords, bow and arrows, magic, that kind of thing. Uh, dragons, um, very much that kind of Renaissance style of storytelling. And, this game did a lot of things, did a lot of things that were super interesting. Uh, but the things that I enjoyed the most about it is that you get to follow along with these stories of these characters that are really well fleshed out for a, a game of this, this franchise, uh, in particular with the strategy RPG, that tactical RPG, they blended 
the more traditional JRPG uh, mechanics of real, really good fantasy storytelling and character development. They blended that into a tactical system, which is something that isn't still isn't really done very often. Uh, if you find a tactical RPG, normally you're you're just kind of either it's telling a story, you know, kind of like Civilization esque, where it's a overarching story that you kind of interpret and mold as you see fit. So you're kind of crafting the story. Uh, or, you know, it's something a little bit more like a space odyssey, something a little bit more huge where you can't necessarily understand the story in and of itself, but instead it's this, again, just this bigger overarching story. Whereas Fire Emblem, it feels like it starts itself out small and works its way out. So the game that I recommended was the first one for the Game Boy Advance. Now here's, here's where we get real confused. Okay. So Fire Emblem, the game was around for a long time before we got it in the US. The first one that we got, as far as I know, feel free to, to, to tell me that I'm incorrect here, but the first one that we got, I believe, was for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, and I think the first one we actually got um, would have been the Blazing Blade, which is the one that I'm recommending. The Binding Blade is also great, and Sacred Stones, I think those are all on GBA. They're all excellent games. Um, but... What we're actually talking about here is the Blazing Blade, which is just called Fire Emblem, if you've ever seen the, the cover art for it. And it, in particular, is a fun story in the sense that we we get to carry through these generations uh, of people. So you get to start out with the story of Lynn. And Lynn is this uh, royal person that doesn't realize that she's royal. She's somebody that... Uh, you know, kind of lives in this village, this simple life, uh, and then things go wrong for her and she becomes, she realizes that she is of this royal descent. Uh, Ellie Wood, we learn more about his story, and then Hector. And it's these three royals that we get to play through their stories and learn who they are and why they are important. This is actually a prequel to the game that came before it, The Binding Blade, which I think was actually later released in the U.S. So I think it would have originally been released uh, in Japan. And then they made this one. Then they released the sequel, which was actually the prequel, which is confusing. And uh, I may have confused you even more by even saying that. Here's why I want to tell you about these games. And it's why I'm not really super focusing on the Blazing Blade in particular, the story of the Blazing Blade. The reason why you should play these games is because they promote a really, really interesting uh, trope in video games that doesn't happen very often. So what happens in a video game normally, especially with an RPG? Let's say you have a main character and your main character dies. Let's say Mario, right? That's not an RPG, but you get one. That's a platformer, but still, still. Let's say Pokemon, okay? Pokemon. You have a team on Pokemon. You have your team of six Pokemon and you send out Pikachu. And uh, you know what? It turns out that Giovanni, he threw out a Rhyhorn and used Earthquake. And your Pikachu is uh, weak to ground type, going to get taken down one hit KO. It was a real one. Good one. Uh, what happens to that Pikachu, right? At that moment, Pikachu faints. And when Pikachu faints, you can no longer use it in battle. But all you have to do is go to the Pokemon Center and you drop off Pikachu and Nurse Joy takes Pikachu and says, we hope you come back again because we want you to get hurt. And your Pikachu's fine. Your Pikachu didn't die. Your Pikachu's cool. Your Pikachu's all good, right? But let's look at it another way. 
what should have happened to Pikachu? What happens in real life if you get knocked out, if you get absolutely slaughtered by somebody? Well, you die, of course. And so Fire Emblem was the first RPG that I can recall, or at least the first one that I really experienced, that rather than using death as a, a storytelling maneuver, so like, let's say, for instance, um, spoiler alert for Final Fantasy X, right? Aaron is dead. We learned that pretty late into the story, Aaron is actually dead the entire time. Uh, kind of like Bruce Willis, right? Kind of dead the entire time. So that, that uses death as a storytelling mechanic. Rather than that, Fire Emblem uses a game uh, a mechanic called permadeath. Rather than being a story mechanic, it's a game mechanic. You can make it through this game and everybody live. But if someone dies, they die. You can no longer use them. They're gone. Just like a soldier on the battlefield. If you lose them, they're gone. Unlike other RPGs of the era, and certainly of the time even today, uh, where, you know, you lose a member of your team, and, well, you can just go, you can heal them after the battle's over. You can use a revive, or you can use a phoenix down, or whatever you want to put in the blank there. Rather than that, Fire Emblem makes us really ask questions uh, of life and death, of sacrifice, and of protection, I, I've never had a game make me feel so possessive of my characters and never formed a relationship with characters in the way that I have with Fire Emblem because I don't want them to be gone. I want to keep them in my life. And so, you know, could I potentially, you know, clear a map in this tactical RPG in, you know, three or four rounds if I really threw them at Adam in full force? Yeah, okay. I certainly could do that. But... If I do that, I might lose one or two of my my teammates, my beloved family, my members. And so instead, what am I more tempted to do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm tempted to do. I'm tempted to make this map last 20 turns, if that's how many turns it takes to slowly but surely chip away at the enemy so that every single one of my teammates survives. That is a mechanic that is super interesting and super fun to think about and to work through in a video game. And I think that it's important for us as people who are trying to do good, do no harm and strive to grow to consider this. What does it mean to do good? What does it mean to make sure that harm is not done? Okay. War, war is not something that is good. War is something that causes harm, but we don't really have a choice in this game. We have to take down the enemy. But we have to ask ourselves the question, well, how can I maximize the good? How can I maximize the lack of harm? Well, in order to do that, I've got to make sure my whole team survives. Now, if I want to do bad, I can let my team go out in the open and take on all the baddies and end up potentially dying. If I want to make sure I do as much harm as possible, well, I can send out my team and I've got plenty of soldiers to throw into the fire. But instead, I get to ask the question of how do I make sure that in this circumstance that is beyond my control, I ensure that I'm doing the most good. I ensure that I'm doing the least harm. It's an interesting question. It's a fun uh, thought experiment. And it's a dating sim. I, you, you, you got me. You got me. Hook, line, and sinker. You throw in these characters that I love. You throw in these characters that I cherish. And then you let me marry them. Oh, my. Come on. You're, 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 you're tearing at my heartstrings here, Fire Emblem. You got me by the leash, Nintendo. Of course. Of course I'm going to play this game. Now, in latter game series, they have taken away that mechanic. Uh, not so much taken it away, but they've made it optional. 
So in the latest one, Three Houses, it was a great game, but they took away the permadeath. You know, you had to turn on permadeath. And at that point, well, then it feels like you're signing a weird contract with the devil. At that point, you're like, yes, I consent. I consent to having my heart robbed from me. Well, that's strange, right? It was almost better when it wasn't consent whenever it was beyond your control because now I have a button that I can press and whenever I push that button well then I save all of my characters no matter what I do the risk was taken out of it that's a pro that's a con I'm not saying there's anything necessarily uh, inherently evil about the button or about taking away that uh, option or by giving us a choice Uh, that just goes to show the level of of thought that has to go into these decisions. I'm sure whoever at Intelligent Systems was sitting there saying, you know, we have players who are saying that they would they would play this game more or they would be more likely to play this game if that permadeath mechanic was gone. And then you have others that are sitting around that boardroom table and saying, yeah, but isn't the whole point that we don't have a choice? And isn't that what makes this game powerful? And the arguments I can't even imagine. I can't imagine being a part of them. But on my end of the spectrum where I'm at, Uh, I hate that 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 has become an option because it takes away the weight of my decisions. And I'm I'm curious to know your thoughts here and I know what you think, but I will recommend this game to you for no other reason, especially the Game Boy Advance games, because you don't have the option. You do have that level of nuance of having to decide who lives, who dies, how do you make sure the most people survive? How many times are you going to reset your Game Boy to make sure uh, that freaking Florina doesn't die because she's a she is a, a dog on Pegasus night and she has no HP and no defense but you love her hair and you want to make sure that she survives well do you go to strategy guides online and try to figure out how to buff Florina you better believe you do do you reset your game every single time she gets taken down by an archer of course you do that is the decision making that I find fascinating with this game and that I think makes this game in particular worth playing. So I highly recommend Fire Emblem because of the questions that it asks of us. That is enough said on that one. Let's go on to our thoughts on our second recommendation. What should you have read this week? This would have been an easy read. It would have been tempting to go and watch the movie. I will not judge you if you go and watch the movie because I, I'm trying as hard as I can, trying as hard as I can to not go see this movie because I want to so bad because I enjoyed the manga so much. So this is a romantic fantasy film. Uh, it is a Japanese anime. Uh, it started out as a film and then was has, is now being adapted into a manga. It's by Makoto Shinkai, uh, which is a, a, a new name in the industry. No doubt you've seen your name or at least heard of your name. If you've not, stop what you're doing. Go and watch your name uh, because it's excellent. It's this guy that's kind of coming in to fill the shoes. Not so much fill the shoes because Ghibli is still making movies, but is coming in to uh, provide even more uh, of a wide berth of artistic filmmaking in the anime region, uh, like Studio Ghibli, like Miyazaki films. Uh, he's trying to present that same kind of thing. So what is Weathering with you? Was well, this fantasy story uh, in which we get to hear about this character, this runaway, this uh, vagabond, you know, young guy who flees away from his family into Tokyo. We don't know why he's here. We just know that he's here. He ends up getting a job writing for this newspaper. And he also, along the path, meets this young girl who serves him a McDonald's burger and it just warms his heart. And then he sees her getting bullied. Well, he's got to do something about that. And so he reaches out to this girl and he ends up, you know, doing something very heroic and she ends up saving him, uh, you know, feeling like she owes him something. 
And then they make a discovery about this girl that she is not an ordinary girl, but instead we're in this new world where it's always raining, always raining. And this girl has a magical power whenever she prays. Yes, literally whenever she prays with her hands folded and her head bowed, she can make the rain stop. And they have this magical name of sunshine girls or whatever they want to call them in the story. And that's all I'll say because that's, that's spoilers enough. But the question, right from, I shouldn't have to explain this one, right? I could go ahead and end it right there. Why should you read this? Come on, folks. It couldn't be more on the nose. This is an allegory right from the get-go. What is this story trying to tell us? Spiritual? Religious? This is rife with that kind of content. Why does she have to pray? Why does she have to fold her arms? Why does she have to bow her head? Why does she have this power? What does this power do to her? What does it mean for her to do this? What is she sacrificing? Is it equivalent exchange? Is it just generosity? Is it charity? Is it good? Is it bad? Is she taking from someone else to give this? Is she taking from herself? That is such an interesting question and such an obvious thing for religiosity and for bad things happening in the world constantly, and then there's somebody that can stop the bad things? Is rain that bad? Are the bad things that bad? Are they actually good? Are we missing the point? What is the rain? What is the bad? This is the kind of questions that I like to have asked. Now, I'm sure, uh, you know, is it going to be perfect? No. Am I going to finish this manga? Is it going to be the best thing I've ever read? Probably not. But is it causing me to ask really interesting questions on the existence of evil and on our ability to get rid of evil and whether it's an ability at all? What does it mean to sacrifice ourselves? What does it mean to be the sacrifice? What does it mean to see and to witness and to encourage this kind of thing? Oh, This has got so many questions, so many questions, and I want to watch the movie so bad, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna read this one, I'm gonna read it, piece by piece, bit by bit, I'm gonna experience this as best as I can, and that in and of itself should sum up why you need to read this thing. It is a obvious allegory that asks some really fun questions that'll be really good for a book club, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, for the future. And I think it's a really interesting story. I think Makoto Shinkai is a good storyteller. And that comes very apparent in this manga. Whenever I was reading through it um, and experiencing it, it is obvious to me that it was not written by a mangaka, but instead that it was definitely written by a filmmaker. Uh, That's a good thing and that's a bad thing and something that I think makes this story interesting nonetheless. So consider it. Let me know what you think. If you hate this, that's fine. I just want to know your thoughts. I want to know what you think. Please do not spoil the rest of this series for me. I'm trying my best not to watch the movie, and I want to keep it that way. With that, folks, let us take a quick ad break before we go to our final recommendation for this episode, our penultimate episode of Babylon Keep On Going. Hey, you like podcasts? I I just assume you do because you're listening to one right now, but did you know we have others here on Checkpoint Church, The Hub? Uh, yeah, we do. We have another podcast called Chatpoint. Chatpoint is the epic podcast that we do live on twitch.tv slash Checkpoint Church Thursdays at noon. If you want to get your QA'd, then be sure to get there. Get on the chat and let us know what you think. We pick a different topic every single week and we take questions in the latter half. If you want to be a part of that podcast live, 
Be sure to join us, twitch.tv slash Checkpoint Church, Thursdays at noon. Come and get chatty with us. All right, everybody, welcome back to our final recommendation for this episode of Babylon. It is what you should have watched, not read. Now, I, the reason why it's not read is because I can't, I don't know if I can recommend it yet. I'm still in the middle of it. I'll explain what I'm talking about because you probably don't know what I'm saying yet. So a couple of weeks ago, I started a podcast that was doing a breakdown of the TV show Lovecraft Country. Uh, and because of that, I had to watch the show because I like the people who are doing the podcast. And I started watching the show and doggone it if I didn't binge it in one night. I caught up to them. I stopped the podcast and I got so into this show and so invested in the story that I just, mm, man, I just had to watch every single episode. I think it was, I think I watched five episodes in one night. Each episode is about an hour. So I binged five hours of this TV show in a night. That is not something that happens to me very often. When it does, it makes me very sleepy and it makes me very happy. And it makes me want to tell everybody in the world about it. Lovecraft Country, an HBO show that just start, just dropped this year. Uh, it had me, it had me from the get-go whenever I saw the list of the producers. This series is produced by Bad Robot, okay? You know who that is, don't you? As old J.J. Abrams, Lost. Uh, I can't even begin to possibly describe his background. Star Wars, Lost, Star Trek, uh, so many things in between, amazing stories and storytelling, uh, mind-blowing expectations, and uh, oh, he's so good. J.J. Abrams. And then who's the other? Well, there's actually a couple other executive producers, of course, but who's the other notable one for me? Jordan Peele. Are you kidding me? Us? All these good movies started out on Mad TV of all things in the world and now has broken through that ceiling and created such incredible shows backed things like, uh, you know, the, the, the Twilight Show, the new iteration of the Twilight Show. Um, and then I'm trying to remember the name for the best of me as I possibly can. Get Out! He made Get Out! He's made all of these wonderful films. He has produced excellent TV shows. He's backed things that are really good. He does such a good job telling horror stories that uh, these two together, they gripped me right from the get-go. How could I possibly not recommend something already? So I got into this and I started doing my research on what exactly was this? Uh, how did it come to be? How did this idea happen? Well, I discovered that it was actually based off of a 2016 horror novel by a guy named Matt Ruff. Now, I don't know Matt Ruff, but I see he's got quite the following. And so I'm going to check out his future books in the back uh, soon, you know, um, learn more about him and learn more about what his story exactly is and who he is and if I should like his book. Uh, full uh, admittance, I think I'm maybe 100 pages in to Lovecraft Country, the book, because after I watched episode three, I think it was, I ordered the book uh, immediately. I had to, had to, had to read the book. So I've watched the show. I binged the show. Uh, once I started binging the show, I watch the episode. I, I watch each episode as it comes out, by the way. I've not, I, it's very rare that I've done that with the show. So I started watching every episode. I've read the book. I listen to the podcasts. I'm listening to the backdrop. Backdrop. I have nothing but respect for the producers, for the directors, for the actors. This story is a home doggone run. The music is incredible. Everything is incredible about it. 
So I've, I've mentioned all of this to say I haven't even started talking about the show yet. I'm just talking about production. I'm just talking about design. That should be a sign of why you need to watch this show. Because right from the get-go, I don't even have to talk about the plot. I don't even have to talk about the show. And you know this is something that is being helmed and produced in a way that this is... It's destined. It's destined to be a hit. And it asks some really hard questions. Now let's talk about what is this exactly about. Simply put, uh, I'll, I'll read the Wikipedia because I think that that's the simplest way to say it. A series about a young black man who travels across the segregated 1950s United States in search of his missing father, learning of dark secrets plaguing a town on which famous horror writer H.P. Lovecraft supposedly based the location of many of his fictional tales. That is what Wikipedia tells you. They do not tell you near enough. <laughs> but that is the basic gist of it, right? So we follow this character, Atticus Freeman, who is called Tick. And he goes on this trip across the United States to try and rescue his dad. His dad is not a nice man. He doesn't like his dad, but it's still his dad. And so he wants to save him. Now, maybe you've heard the name H.P. Lovecraft once or twice. I'm certain that you probably have. If you if you like horror, you certainly have. He's a very, very famous writer who was not very, very famous at all while he was alive. But posthumously, after he uh, died, his books got picked up. And he became very, very famous as being this creator of uh, just incredible stories that were haunting and terrifying uh, and really shook people to their core. He created the monster Cthulhu uh, and all of that which would go around Cthulhu. Now, here's the thing about H.P. Lovecraft that we discovered a little too late uh, is that he uh, was probably uh, quite racist. Um, not a very good person, very much, uh, you know, believed in supremacy and that kind of thing, and really not a very good person. It probably had something to do with the reason he wasn't famous uh, until he was gone. You know what I mean? I mean, he probably wasn't very nice, um, but he wrote good stories, and so we wound up really liking him. And so, uh, you know, he did these pulp stories. If you're, if you're familiar with pulp stories of just kind of mass-produced, um, gory uh, horror, you know, just, just designed to get a rile out of you. Not really worth anything, um, but I guess I shouldn't say that because it's kind of where the modern graphic novel and that kind of thing has birthed out of, comic book has birthed out of these stories. But we start our story with this character, Atticus Freeman, and he quickly discovers that he has been wrapped up in quite an elaborate plot, not just based around racism, but certainly with that as an integral part of the story. What I love about this show and what I, uh, you know, the reason I would recommend this show is because it presents a Jim Crow era, 1950s era that I have never seen. Um, that I, I've watched a, a lot of movies. I've watched a lot of movies and I've read a lot of books and I've, I've, I've studied liberation theology and this does a really, really interesting thing of presenting things that we know and that we don't know. Presenting things that we know in a way that we're not familiar and presenting things that we don't know in a way that is all too familiar. I don't know if that makes sense, but I hope it does because that is exactly what this story does for me. I have learned things uh, that I truly never knew and I have understood things that I thought I knew and did not have any idea what they really were. 
I'm, I'm trying to dance around the topic in a way that I, you know, I think is, is probably troublesome to some of you that, you know, maybe are, are just either confused about exactly what I'm saying, or, you know, maybe you're, 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 you're just wanting to know. And so that's why you need to watch this show because I think it's something that is important and yet all at once difficult to say. And so I think that's why this show is something so unique. I'm not able to even describe the things in this show. First off, uh, it is a horror show and it is on HBO and it is produced by Jordan Peele and it is produced by JJ Abrams. So let's just go ahead and say this show is as not suitable for work as I can possibly describe. This is as scary, terrifying, gory, uh, out there, outlandish, unabashed, filled with language, filled with inappropriate things. Uh, this, I'm seriously saying that if you have any uh, qualms with horror, if you cannot take gore, then maybe just read the book or maybe just read the plot synopsis off of IMDb or something because it's an important story, but they are not pulling any punches. What I think this story does, uh, and this is kind of where I'll end it because I think I've, I've said enough, hopefully, for those of you that are going to watch the show that would consider this show, I've said enough to convince you. If I haven't, I'll try my best. This show's got time travel. This show has unbelievable storytelling. This show has twists. This show has turns. This show has magic that is almost believable and scientific. This show has religious imagery, commentary. Uh, this show has uh, an adequate portrayal of, of segregation. This show has an incredible storytelling for the Tulsa Massacre. Uh, this show presents everything. Uh, there's no one in this show that I like. And there's no one in this show that I hate. I find everything about them to be fascinating. I hate them. I love them. They're awful. They're amazing. What can be said? What can even be said? I've learned words that I didn't know. Uh, I've learned, you know, <laughs> it's so, it, this, this show makes me short for words. It's a show that I want to talk about people or talk about with people. And, and I don't even know who could understand and who can talk about it with me. Uh, we experienced the story of Emmett Till like I've never, ever experienced it. Uh, it does not do an adequate, you know, our history books do not do an adequate job of portraying the horror. And this show goes all out presenting it and breaking our heart with it. If you like Nardo, <laughs> there's a Nine Tails demon in here, and it ain't anything like Nardo. <laughs> it's dark. It's twisted. It's awful. It's captivating. Oh, man. I just, I need to stop talking about this show because I could talk everybody's ears off for hours about it. This show, more than anything else, presents a story that shows the horror of oppression better than anything I've ever seen. I have never felt such a way in my life. 
I've never, I've never felt such a way. I've never had the shivers down my spine in this way. I've never been so scared in my life. I've never been so intimidated in my life. I've never been so angry. I've never been so uh, uh, righteous. I've never been so vindicated. This show is hard to watch. And if you aren't ready for a hard to watch show, do not watch this show. But if you're ready for a hard discussion on the horrors of uh, of segregation and of racism and of crime and of violence and of hatred and of hate crimes, I mean, if you're ready to experience and to have a hard discussion on these things, then yeah, you need to watch the show. The book I'm still in the middle of, and, and it hasn't got that same weight for me, and maybe it's just because I've watched the show first, but... Wow, it asks some questions. Wow, it presents some ideas. Wow, it challenges me. I don't know. This show is not for everyone. In fact, I would say this show is for very few, but I challenge you to watch it and to make it see how it makes you feel. And if you have a visceral reaction to this show, I think that's what they want. I think that's good. And if you're okay with what's happening in the show, then you've really got some questions to answer. Either way, whether you're okay with what's happening or whether you're so desensitized to what hap- what's happening that it's fine, uh, you've got some real questions to answer of yourself. These are heart questions. I think I could go on for another half hour like this, and that's just not good for any of us. So I'm just going to end it there and say, if you want a show that will blow your mind, that will break your heart, maybe consider this show. But really consider it. I'm not talking about just like, yeah, well, we need something to watch tonight. No, 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 no. No popcorn for this one. Uh, yeah, really no popcorn. <laughs> that popcorn is going to be everywhere by the end of the night, if you know what I'm saying. So uh, if you're ready to handle a horror show, um, yeah, maybe watch this one. Maybe. It's good. It's great. It's awful. It's the worst. <laughs> Lovecraft country. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. What are our recommendations? For next week, what do I recommend that you watch, read, and play? Well, I recommend that you watch the anime Gurren Lagann. If you've never seen it, go watch it. I believe in you, and you should believe in you too. If you can't believe in you, just believe in the Nathan that believes in you. Uh, I recommend that you read Ready Player One because we're right around the corner from Ready Player Two being dropped. Uh, I especially, you know, this is, I normally recommend that you just read it, but I especially recommend that you might listen to the audiobook of this one. Will Wheaton knocks it out the park. And then quite a turn, uh, only because it's Halloween season, I recommend that you play the game Doki Doki Literature Club. It's for free on Steam. If you've not played this one, please don't look it up. Just know it's a horror game and that looks can be deceiving. And if you're okay with being a little spooky for Halloween, uh, go play it. Without looking it up, don't you dare look it up. Don't you spoil a thing for yourself. And if you think you've downloaded the wrong game, don't worry. You downloaded the right one. Just give it some time. Uh, 
With that, folks, we're going to wrap up this week's show. Thank you so much for listening and joining into this discussion on our penultimate episode of Babylon. Be sure to let us know your thoughts by sending them into our voicemail on anchor.fm slash checkpoint-church or by sending them into our DMs on any of our social media sites. Be sure to subscribe to Checkpoint Church on your favorite podcast provider for more podcasty goodness and other shows. We also love it when you give us a five-star rating specifically. Of course, five stars. If you've got anything below five stars, just send it to our email. We'll post it for you. Don't worry. No problem. That really helps out the show. Until next time, folks, know that God loves you, I love you, and you matter. Bye-bye.